0: And you know you're current when it comes to new technology, industry news, technical papers, technical videos, all that and more. We're not looking for a million hits per day. All we want is people who are really the volume buyers of racing products in the racing industry to be part of the little world of e trade. We have racing businesses participating from around the world. So you get suppliers from around the world, you get buyers from around the world.
2: EparTrade really eliminates having to travel, closing down your shop. Now you have a place to showcase globally your racing product and technology.
1: Welcome to Race Industry Now, the technical and business webinar series from Eportrade, presented to you by ARP and Performance Plus Global Logistics. I am Francisque Savignan, the founder and CEO of Eportrade, the global platform for the performance and racing industry. This is episode 234. We're going to be talking engine management system. With Haltech, with me this morning, or Judy Keen, the co-founder of ePortrade and a wonderful host, Mr. Jeff Hammond, who is doing back-to-back, right? <laughs> Judy, how are you?
2: Yes, we have Jeff Hammond back-to-back back week. So, good morning, everyone. I just, in case you missed last week, um, we announced that we are doing Race Industry Week, and Speed sport News joined us. So, Joe Tripp, Ralph Shaheen. So, we're excited about that, and. Everybody is welcome to register now. That one link when you register will get you in to any of the webinars that we've got going all week long, 55 hours of content. So we're producing that now, working on it. So you're welcome to register. So on to you, Jeff.
3: Judy, only 55 hours worth of race industry week now. I mean, come on, oh, can wait. we not add a few more hours? Uh, I'm getting charged up and ready to go.
2: Well, we have to <laughs> hood, but 55 hours is enough.
3: Well, we probably need to move on. I think I see two gentlemen right now that look like they're chomping at the bit to educate us in what they do best, and that is ECUs. And guys, good morning. How are you? We're doing well. Thank you. So, Thomas, tell us, uh, and Nick, I mean, the thing is, I did some reading and did a little bit of understanding what your company is all about, and and it fascinates me how that little bitty box can tell you so much. I mean, I, I'm still mystified all these years of being around racing, how you can build this stuff and it just, it uh, you know, it amasses so much information. It can do so much and yet it comes in such a small package.
4: Yeah, I mean, technology has come a long way over the past, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. I mean, even if you look at, like cell phones nowadays, they're smaller and do more than ever. And that technology kind of spans across everything, including aftermarket ECUs. You can pack a lot of information, a lot of functionality, a lot of benefit into a, a fairly small box nowadays, which is really, really impressive, like you were saying, so yeah.
3: So Thomas, what uh, is new on the howtech radar?
5: Uh, so as of right now, within the last year, we've really grown a lot of traction with our Nexus R5. That's our top-of-the-line ECU. Um, it has a lot of built-in features, such as a wideband, PDM. And what we like to do is that's our vehicle management system. So it's gone one step further. The traditional was you have one box that does controls your engine. Now we've gone one step further, and now we control the vehicle. So if you have a full race car, you're doing a full chassis build. Everything from headlights, taillights, uh, passing signals, all of those things, you can wire it in. And then we've also just recently launched our PD-16, um, which is another additive that you can add to the rear of the vehicle, front of the vehicle, once again, for lights, fuel pumps, things like that, anything you want to power.
3: So with anything you want to power, uh, approximately, how many, how many channels, how many circuits can you can you put on this thing? So, the PD16 has
4: 16 channels in it. It has four 25 amp outputs that are all solid state and they're all programmable when it comes to their fuse currents and limits and stuff like that. Um, And then it has 12 8 amp outputs. 10 of them are a traditional, you know, just regular 8 amp. And then two of them are going to be a half bridge so they can actually send power or ground if you wanted them to which you could use for like dc motors like a a drive by wire throttle body or an electronic wastegate stuff like that Um, and then the nexus r5 actually has 20 pdm channels built into it um, and that's that vehicle management system that thomas was just talking about so it'll run your engine which that's fine but it'll also control your chassis, fans, fuel pumps, wipers, lights. You know, We put these on cars and we remove every fuse and relay out of the entire car. It's all done through one box now and all of it's loggable. So if you have an issue, you don't have to get a multimeter and go digging through your car under your hood. You can connect to it via Wi-Fi with your laptop and look over all of the data, look over the amp draw on the specific channel that you're having a problem with and the ECU or the VCU will tell you what's going on. It'll paint you a nice little picture of, hey, this is what happened. And then all you have to do is go out and confirm it physically on the car.
6: So.
3: You know, why you just described that, guys, uh, and uh, I, I apologize if I'm using an analogy that that maybe I shouldn't, but it's almost like, you know, um, that movie with Tom Hanks when they were trying to go, you know, to the moon. And they had the problem, and all of a sudden you see people inside the space shuttle and everything that they're they're trying to figure out amperage and this and that and all the routing right right, right of the wires, and trying to um, figure out how can we save power, how can we you know figure out what this problem is and what this is going to do. It just to me that's what popped in my head. You know, I'm you're describing all this, and I'm seeing somebody because I'm thinking about if there's one thing about race cars that used to scare the bejesus out of me. Was wiring. I mean, if it was any anything over an on and off switch, I didn't like it. You know, what I'm saying I I was okay running a fan off to one side, you know, giving it its own circuit. But when you start getting to 16 and, and probably more as we move in the future, you got to simplify that some way or another. And you already have. I mean, that that to me is what is impressive already is. You can get your, you know, your laptop out, you can plug in this thing, and all of a sudden they're communicating, showing you pictures, and, and you're able to, you know, basically get a guided instructions and how to how to solve the problem. Am I understanding this correct?
4: Yeah. So and the funny thing about that on the wiring side of things, it actually simplifies the wiring. So if you think about a traditional setup where you have a battery, you have a fuse, you have a relay. Well, you have a mm-hmm. wire from the battery goes to your fuse, comes out of the fuse, goes to pin thirty on the relay. Then you have to have the control circuit of the relay, your switch power, and your ground to activate it. And those both have to go to different parts of the car. You know, even if you had a regular ECU or a switch panel, the ground trigger goes to that. The switch side goes to your ignition switch or your on for your car. And then you have the eighty-seven pin of the relay that goes to whatever you're trying to turn on. But well, with a PDM, you have none of that. We can do a keypad like a can based keypad so four wires that goes mm-hmm. to the ecu and that can be all of your switches but then you can also program logic if you want it to turn on at a certain temperature or a certain rpm or whatever you want you literally just have a power wire that comes from the nexus r5 or rpd16 goes directly to your fan fuel pump light whatever you're trying to turn on or far on and then you can ground that device directly at the chassis so you literally went from having to have at minimum four wires to run a relay to one wire. So it sounds, you know, really complicated, but it actually does simplify quite a bit and make it a lot easier for someone who's not as well-versed as what you know, in wiring. It makes it a lot easier for them to understand. It's just, I want to turn this on. I'm just sending it power.
3: Yeah. Well, you just, you just described me. The, the, and the <laughs> other thing that, that I take, that I take out of that, is if you're paying attention, old school racers, you're saving me weight. You're simplifying mm-hmm. it, but at the same time, you're saving me weight. Uh, I don't need you know a complete wiring harness that weighs you know six, seven, eight, maybe ten pounds of, of copper wire run throughout the car. Now all of a sudden, I'm getting it down where it's effective and more efficient, but again, saving me weight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So. With that being said, tell me, uh, Thomas, what what where can we where can we you know expect to see this Haltech um, unit being used next? I mean, are there any series you're working with, or you know, um, what's uh... So
5: we've uh, we've really done a push with uh, the Gridlife series and the GLTC guys. Um, mm-hmm. It's a uh, that's an entry level to mid level uh, road racing series. That has definitely taken off. You get a lot more guys that are joining that. Um, we've done a lot of things with the a lot of the off-road series. Um, we're starting to get into um, Ultra 4 and uh, a lot of the off-road stuff like that. We're also looking at some of the boat series, some of the hydroplane stuff. So it's really starting to take off. And uh, the, super, the Super Utes in Australia as well, the V8 series, is a really Bye. nice series. And like I said, we've sponsored that. It's, it's kind of where you want to go with it as far as the applications itself. You can do everything from all different types of vehicles.
3: All right. With, with what you just said there, I want to back up here and say you said the Marine Series and off-road. So, undoubtedly, this is a very durable piece. And at the same time, I assume it's waterproof.
5: It is IP67 rating.
3: Okay. So not fully That's like
4: submergible, but rated to, I want to say it's three meters for like 30 minutes or something like that. Right. Um, so we put these things on boats. I actually just worked with a hydroplane racing team. I'm still currently working with them, but they have an R5 on their hydroplane boat. Um, and this thing does 200 miles an hour on the water. And this thing lives there happily, doesn't have any issues. Um you know, so they're rated to be in the elements. I, I wouldn't put it on a submarine, <laughs> you know, but, or, or plan to sink it, but it's definitely able to live in the elements without any issue.
3: Well, I mean, again, you know, yourself, it, it's, uh, once you go in this direction, I mean, that's, that's what makes your vehicle operate and perform. So, um, you know, you, when you go to those kind of reliability, you know, questions, you always want to, uh, think the best and, and, and I always assume that everything that you're, feeling about it is is accurate the durability and you know what uses I'm, and i'm sure that you know if we're talking i call in and i, I do understand y'all have a um i guess you might say a question and answer uh phone line so if you have a problem if you got questions about your product you can call them up and they, they can answer them for you so uh if if i'm getting ready to build something uh, whether it's a dragster whether it's you know a, a late model stock car that i'm getting ready to run at my local sh- short track but i want this technology because they'll allow us to do it i can call you and get any kind of information that will guide me in the right direction for what i need and how i need to, to apply it. correct
5: yeah. we do offer 24 hours of technical support uh, we have multiple offices across the world and mm-hmm. therefore if you call like i said most people, they don't get to work on their car during 8 to 5. They get to work <laughs> on their car at, from 5 p.m. till 2 in the morning, and when you're out there struggling at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, you want somebody to be able to call, and you can with us. You can pick up the phone, and you can talk to somebody. We can remote into your system, and we can take a look at it, and we can diagnose it and walk you through it.
3: Whoa, whoa, whoa. You can literally go into the system and, and help us in that direction right there as far as
4: yeah. – So the software actually has that built into it. So you don't even have to go anywhere else. In the HowTech software, which I'll show you guys here in a little bit, you can go up to the very top of the screen and there's a little help button. You click the help button and there's a little thing, a little drop down, and it says remote help. If you call us and I say, hey, let me me look at your screen. Let me see what we're working with. I say, go to the top of the screen, click help, click remote help. And depending on how fast your internet is, Within about seven seconds, I'm controlling your computer and I can go through and show you what's going on, help you diagnose. And the thing is, it's not just answering a question like everybody that works here that answers the phones. We're not somebody who can just read you a manual. You know, I I own a personal race car. He has a race car. You know, we do this stuff, not just during work. We do this after hours. You do this, you know, as a living. So we actually have real world experience with what most people are going through. And so I'm not just going to read you a manual and say, well, have you turned it off and turned it back on like regular tech support? I'm actually able to go in and say, well, what are you trying to do? You know, let's look at different ways we can do that. Let's look at our options. Let's, let's make this work the best that it can and actually provide you with real world experience from my personal experience and years of racing that might be able to assist with what you're trying to do. So.
3: Now Thomas, I understand how you could be so, to the point when you were describing, we don't do eight to five working on our race car. We do do that from, you know, from five to two, because that's kind of like the magic number for a lot of, uh, I think, short track and, uh, you know, I guess you might, homebody type racers, I want to call it. Two o'clock's about where you try to say about all I can stand. I need a few hours sleep before I go back to my real job. So I I, I can appreciate that a whole lot. And I think that's, uh, I think that would put you in a category that very few companies can hang their hat on that we're with you 24 hours a day, no matter where you are or what time we'll be there for you.
5: And and we do as a, as a company, you, you think about it. When you go to race events, race events, aren't during the week, race events are on the weekends. So not only do we do have 24 hours of tech support, most of the bigger events and sanctioning bodies that have races, we go to those events. We have a tech team that shows up on site. Um, We'll have a booth set up. They can have uh, assistance with wiring or, like I said, technical questions. Somebody has an issue that runs our product. They come up to our booth and say, hey, I need a tech guy. Well, automatically we send them with a laptop, send them down to the pit, and they can get right in there with the customer and be able to help them solve their issue.
3: The the one thing I'm I'm going to do a no-no, but I'm going to ask, what's the most common problem that most people run into uh, when they, when they come for help? I mean, what is, is there a common issue? Is it a ground? Is it, is it a, an alternator that's not putting out enough? You know, what is your, what is the most common issue you guys run into? Cause I'm sure y'all talk about them over coffee breaks.
4: So it depends on the level of customer. If you have a new customer that has just got our product and just plugged in <laughs> and is trying to set it up. The big thing that a lot of them don't necessarily know how to do Is with any EFI system, you have to sync the timing where the computer, if it thinks it's at, you know, the engine's at 10 degrees, is the engine actually at 10 degrees? So you have to sync those timing to make it where they both think they're on the the same page, basically. So for a new user, I'd say that's the most common mistake that most people make is they don't realize how to do that. And we do have a pretty good YouTube channel that actually explains lots of things. And there's a video on this that we have that walks you through how to set what we call a TDC offset. Um, But for a more advanced user, somebody who's maybe at the track who needs assistance, a lot of time, it's not necessarily that they don't know how to do what they're trying to do. It's that they have 9 million other things going on and they can't think clearly. So they're trying to worry about you know, okay, what suspension changes did I make? When do I need to be up in the pit lanes? You know, if they have family there, you know, where, where are my kids running around? What are they doing? You know, did, did so-and-so make sure that the oil's topped off? Is the trans cooler plugged in? Like, they have all these hundreds of things going on that they're trying to focus on and they can't just sit down and say, okay, this is my problem. This is what I need to figure out. And all it takes is a fresh set of eyes. Most of the people that I help when I'm at the track they have that like aha moment where I'll walk up, I'll look at some data logs with them because typically we'll be in their pits using their laptop. We'll bring ours as well, but most of these guys have their own and you'll show them what they've been looking for and they'll be like, man, I didn't didn't even think to look there. And it's not because they don't know, it's just because they got 9 million other things to worry about. So having that ability to have just another set of eyes, another perspective of someone who's trained in this stuff really goes a long way it's not that these guys don't know how to use it it's that they got so much other stuff to worry about that that's not as important as some of the other stuff right now but they do need to get it figured out
3: i hear that um, now you said nick here in a little bit you were going to show us some stuff because tim johnson was curious to know are you going to have a, a demo of the system and explain some of the stuff we're talking about right now
4: yeah, of course. I actually have the software already opened up on another page. So at some point we can move that over. And if you want, you can either take some, you know, questions from the internet. I believe that we talked about that a little bit. Um, right. or you can just ask me, you know, Hey, how would I do this? And and I'll show you, you know, how to navigate the software and how to do that and how easy it is, um, to kind of make those changes and do what you want to do.
3: So, well, I'm not going to try to rush you, but if you have something that we can get a picture with uh, and do a screen say, share, then that way I think we may get a few more questions if we go ahead and start that process now. Because I'd hate to wait much longer and all of a sudden show it and we get uh, you know inundated with questions and not get get try to get enough have enough time to be able to answer. If that's okay with you guys.
4: Yeah, happy to do it. I'll get Chris to go ahead and pull that stuff up and get it where you can see our screen, and I have the NSP software open.
3: All right, sounds good.
4: All right, can you see our screen on your end? I do. All right, so do you see the NSP software we have open here? Yes, sir. All right, so when you open this, it won't necessarily look like this. You'll have to go up top, click File, New, and you can download this for free. This isn't something that you have to pay for. You can go to our website right now and download this software. Um, But this will allow us to play with the software without actually even owning one of our ECUs. So if you were wanting to kind of see what you're getting yourself into before you spend the money, you can download the software. Like I said, click file, new, it's going to pop up. We have all of our ECUs listed. So you could actually pick the exact ECU that you purchased for the sake of this. We're going to do our R5. And then these are all the different firmware versions. So big thing about us is we actually do lots and lots of updates and they're all free. So if somebody calls in and says, hey, man, I really wish that your product did this, Um, you know, I've used another system or I thought it was a cool idea. And if that's something that we think will benefit other customers, then we'll pass that along and we'll see what we can do to accommodate. And that's what all of these different what we call firmwares are. So these are all updates or upgrades or things that we fixed or added, you know, so on and so forth. So we'll click the newest one and we'll hit OK. It'll load up, and then we're now in the software. So you can see that you have a bunch of stuff going on. You have a bunch of little options over here. You have some tabs up at the top, some different tables. Um, when you're connected to an engine, all of this stuff will display actual data from that engine or from that ECU in real time. Um, but we'll kind of run from the top. So first thing, we want to name you know, the ECU, so we'll just name it Test. For now and then obviously we have our ECU information here you can go through we'll start an engine configuration this is where you can set up what kind of engine that you're using you know the engine capacity four stroke two stroke rotary amount of cylinders just basic engine information and you can kind of keep going through all of your sensors that we can run your basic fuel information. And then if we open up that node, all of your main tables, like your fuel table. And then you have like a 3D graph over here that you can use to spot low spots and help tune. Um, And then, like I said, it's all pretty self-explanatory, but it's all listed. You'll notice though, that you have some things that are lit up in red. Um, The ECU is smart enough to tell you when there's a problem. Um, If you have something set up incorrectly, or if you've accidentally, you know, clicked something that you didn't mean to click, Um, it'll light up red and tell you, hey, you know, I've turned on, we'll say boost control for this instance, but we get a little red exclamation mark. And it tells me this function has unassigned or invalid connections. So we'll go down here to wiring, which is also in red. And look, it tells me that this boost control output is actually being used for something else. So we can change that real quick just to make it go away. And then our our warning went away. So the, the system's smart enough to kind of walk you through mm-hmm. what you 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 know what you can do and what you can set up. It won't let you pick the wrong things in most cases, which is nice. Um, earlier, we were kind of talking about the PDM stuff. And so I'll kind of give you an example of how we would set up. Let's say, let's pick a, you think a fan or a fuel pump? What do you want to pick? We'll do a fan. So yeah. we already have a fan turned on. It's our coolant temp. So this will be like our main radiator fan. We can obviously choose lots of other options here. If you have like an oil cooler fan or a trans fan or a separate fan for maybe your AC condenser or something of that nature, we'll leave it as coolant temp for now. You can see our basic settings here of when we want the fan to turn on, when we want it to turn off. You know, this will also, if you're using idle control, just like, a, a you know, the car that you drove to work today, your idle bumps up a little bit when your fan turns on to compensate for the load the engine's under. We can adjust all that stuff here as well. We'll go to our wiring. You can see that our thermal fan number one output is set to a 25 amp, that 25A output. So we go through here. It's a 20 amp limit. We can soft start. So say you don't want to pulse width modulate this fan. You want to just turn it on and turn it off at a set point, but you don't want to deal with that inrush current that a lot of bigger you know, fans fuel pumps have when you turn them on because they take more amperage to get spinning. And then once they're up to speed, they'll kind of maintain at a lower amperage. We can actually use a soft start in here and tell it for the first three seconds that we turn this fan on, only allow the fan to have 10 amps. You know, the fan may pull 17 amps, but we're only gonna allow it to have 10 for the first three seconds that gets the fan spinning. And then after that three seconds, it'll allow it to go to a max of 20 amps before it blows the theoretical fuse that's programmed in here. If it does blow that fuse, now we can pick the maximum amount of retries. So I can say no retry. So if it blows the fuse, just like a regular car, the fuse is blown. The only way to reset it would be to cycle the key or cycle the ignition. Or we can tell it, hey, I want you to have two retries and I want you to wait two seconds between each of those retries. So this is extremely valuable for say a, a road race car like we were talking about earlier, a GLTC. Let's imagine right. that this isn't a fan but a fuel pump because I have these same settings for anything that I'm controlling with the PDM. Say so you're on track and you're in the last couple laps and you've let the fuel get a little bit low and you haven't pulled in to, to refill or you know something like that. And you go around a corner And your fuel pump is no longer submerged in fuel. And your fuel pump gets a little hotter than normal and pulls two or three more amps than normal because it's a little hotter. It's not submerged in fuel because you're going around that corner and the fuel sloshes. Well, in a typical car, you'd blow your fuse. You know, if you were right there at the limit of what the fuse was rated at, you would blow your fuse. They'd have to yellow flag everybody. They'd have to get a tow truck, come tow you off the track. You know, it's this big 35, 40 minute ordeal. To get you off the track before they can race again but with this i can say hey i want you to retry you know five times i want you to wait one second between each retry so it would blow the theoretical fuse and then it would wait one second and it would try that circuit again if that circuit was below our fuse limit it would allow it to operate so if you were in a long sweeping corner and it blew your fuel pump well you're going to lose power and it's going to straighten you up a little bit you know you're going to let off of it because you notice something well, now instead of your car being you know, stuck on the side of the track, now you've got a check engine light or some sort of warning when you blew this thing. And it kind of lets you know, hey, lay back a little bit. You know, something happened, you're going to drive it easier. You're still going to drive it, but you're going to know, hey, something happened. I should probably take a little bit easy until I can check it out. Um, and so it, it really changes the way that you do things. And you saw how simple this was. If I wanted to choose another wire, I click assign. The ECU shows me all of my available resources, so I can pick any of these wires to control my fan. There's my 8-amp ones we talked about earlier. We keep going, and then it shows me all the ones I've assigned as well, and it tells me what they're assigned to. So if I'm like, man, I really wanted to use a 25-amp. Well, I can't because they're already being used. I would have to you know, get rid of my injector power or get rid of my coil power or get rid of my fuel pump to use one of these for something else. So it's really, really intuitive. Of, it doesn't give me 9 million things to pick. It only lets me pick what is physically available or what I could use. Um, and then from there, you're done. Like That's it. You run this wire from the Nexus R5 directly to your fan, and that's it. There's no setting up any switches. We've already told it, we want it to turn on at 185. So we've already set up when it comes on and when it goes off. Earlier, we talked about a keypad. So if someone wanted to go through and have like an override for their fan, like it's not 185 degrees, but they want the fan on anyway. Maybe to try to cool the car down between rounds, even farther, you know, whatever they want. Simple, override switch. We just click this little checkbox. It lights up red again here because we've turned something on, but we didn't assign it. So then we just go to assign and we can pick anything we want to trigger it off of, including a keypad or something of the sort, if we want to. So the use of the software is really, really easy. And then, like I said, if you do get stuck, like we talked about earlier, you click help, you click remote help. And there you go. I'll be controlling your computer. I can walk you through what you want to know. Like I said, within 10 seconds or so, if your internet's fast, Um, the system is very, very capable and very, very easy to use, but not easy enough that if you wanted to really do some custom things, you can still set that stuff up as well. We call it generics. So I can program any of these to do basically anything I want. Um, So if all of the features and functions that we have, if there's something in here that doesn't exist, then I can just build it on my own. So do you have any questions or anything that you want to to see or me to go over for you?
3: Well, I got a question here from Thomas Drake and he says, I see multiple computer boxes listed. Do they all run this software or is this just for their Nexus device?
4: So that's a really interesting question. Because as of about, I'd say, eight or nine months ago, our older ECUs, the Elite series, the ones that are sitting here behind me, if they saw it earlier, um, those use their own software. Well, when we released the Nexus ECU, we released this new software. Um, Within a couple months, we had a lot of people request that, hey, we really like this software. It, It flows, it navigates easy. We really like it. We want to use it on our older ECU. So Mm -hmm. unlike most companies, instead of just saying, sorry, you have to buy the new latest and greatest, we actually made the software backwards compatible with the older ECUs. So all of our current ECUs, the Elite Series and the Nexus Series use the NSP software. Um, And when the Elites moved to this software, they actually gained a lot of features that they didn't have before or upgraded those features they did have. Um, Like data logging specifically, you got an additional 20 channels of data logging when you upgraded from the ESP software to the NSP. You also got a built-in oscilloscope, faster comms, all kinds of stuff, and it was 100% free. We didn't charge for that. We basically took an old ECU and taught it new tricks. So.
3: So if we go to the racetrack and we race this weekend and we get back to shop on Monday, just hook the laptop up and download all the info from the weekend. Yeah. Make a file for it. And we can take that file and go either right into a, an engineering meeting and study everything or take it to the, for example, take it to a, a engine dyno and, and they can plug it in and they can run an engine and, and show it, you know, completely on the dyno, just like it raced. Correct.
4: Yeah. hundred um, percent. The Nexus R5 has a, what I would call a motorsports grade data logger built into it. It will do up right. to 500 channels. 300 of those channels are at a one millisecond sample rate. So if you can see my screen, mm. we'll go over here where it says data logger. We can trigger how the data logger works. But right now it's set up off a throttle position greater than 50%. You can also just tell it that it's always on or put it on a switch. Because I know a lot of guys like having that data log switch on the back of the car. They're used to it. So there you go, you can still set it up Mm -hmm. that way. And then I have all of my channels over here and I can search if I'm looking for something specific, like we'll say, you know, ignition channels and I can click on it, click add to group. And now that channel is in my group with a one millisecond sample rate. So one millisecond is a thousand times a second. This thing will take a sample and store that data for you to go back over at a future time um and like i said we can do 300 channels at one millisecond sample rates it'll do 500 channels total when you talk to most drag racers they can't even think of you know 100 channels that they want to look at let alone 500 that this box is capable of
3: yeah i, I was getting ready to say the same thing i'm sitting there shaking my head thinking that kind of sampling, I mean, and at the same time, how do you? I know the engineers. I mean, they probably do backflips because it gives them an opportunity to look at something that is irrelevant in everybody else's mind. But in an engineer's mind, it's the most impre- important thing of the day. You know, you know what I'm trying to say. And you've given a channel where they can do that kind of stuff and get their 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 satisfaction or get their questions answered. Because to me, the simple stuff which I see here, it's, it's there, but you've allowed it now to be expanded. I mean, almost to the nth degree. I mean, I don't, where else would you go? And how much, how much more stuff can you put on something like this and don't tell me that there's more to go. Okay. Please don't tell me that.
4: So there, there is actually more. So Thomas mentioned earlier that this thing is an ECU and a, a PDM and, and wide bands, but it's, it's yeah. actually a lot more than that. Um, it has built in Wi-Fi which sounds silly, but picture this. I don't know what kind of racing you're into, but picture a drag racer, okay? And you're going rounds. You get into the track, you got your parachute thrown up on the truck and the trunk of the car, and the golf carts come to, to push you back around to run again, right? You get to stop at the pits for five minutes to refuel and look over, but you got to get back up to the lanes. You don't have any time to waste. Well, wh- when do I have time to pull data? When do I get time to look at what's going on? The guy driving the car can't do it. He's still strapped in. He don't have a laptop with him. Well, with built-in Wi-Fi, I can be on the golf cart sitting there, Wi-Fi to the ECU that's in the car, you know, 15 feet ahead of me. I'm looking at data on that three minute trip, you know, pushing him back to the pits while they're refueling the car, and then while we're pushing it up to the lanes. I don't have to touch the car. That's and if you think about, you know, road racing time attack stuff, you got people that are trying to you know change tires or add fuel during a pit stop or whatever that's one less person has touched car i can be 20 feet away sitting at a table and pull all the information i need to or we also have a little extender that you can get um the little antenna that goes like on the windshield of the car instead of the one that's built on the side of the ecu it'll reach about 300 feet when i did that boat we spoke about earlier I actually was able to stay connected to this thing while he was out on the water, you know, 300 feet is a pretty good amount of time. And then in a road race car, say they're coming down pit lane, they have a problem. The driver doesn't know what it is. He don't want to stop, but he just wants to come through the pit lane doing, you know, 15 miles an hour or whatever, whatnot. I can pull the data wirelessly while he's coming down pit lane, send him back out on the track, review the data. When he comes back through, I can send changes wirelessly. So I can't, I'm can't. i not just viewing data. I can do everything with the software wirelessly that I can do with a cable. So I can send data. I can review data. I can make changes. It's all live as long as I have that Wi-Fi connection. Um, um, we go even one step farther. It has a six-axis built-in G meter. So longitude, latitude, and vertical when it comes to G. And then it'll do right. pitch of the car, which you can use for wheelie control or stuff like that, yaw of the car, so if it's sliding, and then roll of the car. And we can use that for anything we want, you know, including safety features. If the car rolls over, I can tell the ECU to shut everything down because it notices the car is upside down. Or in a drag situation, if the car starts to get sideways, that yaw sensor is going to register that. Well, I can have it throw the chutes. The driver doesn't have to think about it. The ECU says, hey, we're going sideways. Throw the parachutes. Try to yank the back end straight and save it from tearing up this $500,000 ProMod. You know, it's all infinitely programmable. If you can think it, you can do it. The only limitation is your knowledge with the software. And that's where we come in. Like I said, we're racers. I do this stuff for a living. I don't just read a manual to you when you call in. I can explain how this stuff works and how I've used it in real world situations. So- like I said, the system's infinite. You can do anything. And and it it does scare people. A lot of people hear that and they're like, man, I want something simpler. Well, the problem with simple stuff is eventually you're going to realize it's simple. It might be complex at first, but a year down the road, you don't want to look at this ECU that you spent $5,000 on and think, man, I wish it did more. Man, I wish it did this. You know, my buddy has a different system and it does this. You'll never run into that problem with this computer. It will do...
3: Anything you want, as long as you know how to make it do it. Well, see, I, I told you not to tell me this, and now you've told me. Yeah. Okay, Thomas, <laughs> you quit smiling like you're doing right now, because the thing is, it's it's amazing. Because when you started talking about the cable side of it, I don't know how many times, you know, when they come in and, and engineers are trying to plug into the car, and their own they got laptops on top of the car, and you're trying to. Talk to the driver, and then all of a sudden you're trying to make measurements or do this or do that. And it's like everybody get away from the car. You know, you you're driving me crazy right now. I got I got to see this. I got to see that. You guys are leaning all over everything. The they're trying to do what they're they're supposed to be doing. Don't get me wrong, okay. But from a crew chief standpoint, sometimes it's at the wrong place at the wrong time, especially if you have got a serious situation going on. And I know they're trying to get me some information so we can solve the problem, but in this case. I mean, I think it's phenomenal that, you know, if, if you're trying to, you know, maintain, not go down a lap and, or and this, the idea of the Wi-Fi being available. Yeah, I mean, you could, like, in, my in, my a ro-
5: in a road race scenario, I mean, you can have guys that are sitting on top of their pit box. And when the car comes in, like you said, Nick said, for the pit, you're pulling that information. Like you said, you're not in the way mm-hmm. you're able to sit on top of the pit box. Remote into the car, you're not in the way of everybody else that's doing the mechanical side of it.
3: Now, like I say, it's uh, it's, it's, all, it's it's almost a nightmare has come true. Now we have something that will really help. And and again, this is another page. in the, as as we move forward, I think in any series, uh, I'm just wondering when NASCAR is going to allow it to happen. <laughs> i mean you know what i'm saying
5: you set up the meeting and i'll show up
3: jeff <laughs> okay i get the meeting set up i'll let you do the sale <laughs> perfect yeah no i mean it's it has been amazing the way technology continues to move forward and this is another perfect example and it's a little bit like you know what thomas drake said there's so many computer channels but you guys you've got it Let's let's just don't you know. Let's just don't stop here. Let's go ahead and expand and anticipate what's going to be coming next, so we're already ahead of the curve. I guess I guess this is this is what I'm looking at. This is really ahead of the curve, and you're ready for the next wave of ideas or technology that somebody wants to to take a look at. Am I am I Correct. wrong about
5: and that? And I mean, and that's and that's the thing. Like you know, like Nick pointed on about the about the shoots. I mean, you can go in to look at this from a safety aspect. I mean, you mm-hmm. can shut things off, turn things on. You know, you can look at it from a safety aspect. You can look at it from a performance aspect. As far as, like I said, all of the data that you can get out of the vehicle is just only going to help your program.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: It, it really does go, like the safety aspects, are an important side to look at it. Yeah. Okay. So think about like any most of these systems, they have to be tuned. Right, you have to have somebody pushing the buttons on a dyno to, to get it dialed in. You know, the first couple times around. Well, you get some of these big high horsepower pro mods, and the guy driving the car doesn't need to worry about what's going on with the computer. But you have to have somebody looking at that stuff while this stuff's happening. So the guy in the car got a fire show on, has a helmet. You know, he's safe. He's got a transmission beside him. He's got you know a four thousand horsepower engine in front of him. He needs to worry about safety. He doesn't even worry about looking at a computer. You know. Well, it comes back to the Wi-Fi. I can have a dedicated guy sitting at a table 30 feet away, watching the engine, making sure everything's happy, you know, tuning the engine where his only job is to tune that motor. And the guy in the car's only job is to make sure the engine is sounds good, feels safe, is safe. And so now instead of relying on one person to handle one job, we've split it up and let people focus on specific things. Um, and that goes, you know, a long way. You know, you don't have to have yeah. somebody sitting in the car anymore trying to tune this thing. You know, it, this is a funny story, but I worked with a, a Pikes Peak car last year and me and Chris, one of our marketing guys here, we couldn't, none of, neither of us could fit in the car. There's no passenger seat. You know, there was a, a fire suppression bottle in the passenger seat. Well, I needed to make changes to this car and I needed to see it in real time and we didn't have a dyno. So we actually had a a rented Tesla. Um, Hopefully they don't hear about this, but we were at a racetrack and we were beside this race car and I was Wi-Fi into the car from another car. We were basically driving beside him while he was, you know, doing flat shift testing and stuff like that. And I was able to make changes and I'm safe. I'm strapped in, got a seatbelt normally, And I hate to say this, but like I would be sitting on top of that fire suppression bottle in a car with a roll cage with no seat belt, no seat. And that's extremely unsafe. I've done it because that's what I had to do before we had the ability to do other things, you know, but now it it does make things a lot safer, Um, but it's not just safety, you know, you get the speed of being able to turn things in and out one less person around the car to be in your way. You know, there's a lot of benefits to this stuff that people don't realize when they hear, Oh, Wi-Fi." they think, Oh, that's gimmicky. That sounds silly. You know, but then you explain all these other benefits of it. And it really starts to paint a picture of, man, you know, I can really use this thing to do a lot of cool stuff. Um, So.
3: Well, I'm not, not trying to tell a story to, to top your story, but I'll tell you something real quick. In, in the mid 80s, we were doing testing down at Talladega, and we we're trying to do exhaust temperatures, and Darrell's out there, had everything, you know, had the gauges up on the dash, and I'm talking to him on the radio, I said, okay, we're going around the racetrack. okay, give me some temperatures going around here as you go into turn one, and I wanted to talk to me about the exhaust temperatures, and I'd get, you know, one or two numbers, and then it'd he'd go, he'd go quiet, and then he'd get in the back straightaway, he'd give me three or four numbers, I said, dude, you know, we need to have more information, you got to Go down there and tell us what the exhaust temperatures are. And about, I don't know, five or six times of him asking him for that temperature deal, he said, listen, damn it, you want to know the number, you know, the exhaust, you get in here and write it down yourself. I can't drive this race car at 200 miles an hour and give you yep. exhaust temperatures. You and have other story to worry about. <laughs> I raised my hand, got a helmet, and sat down behind him in the Y part of the, right behind the driver's seat, no, no seat belt. Just a helmet. I don't know why I put it on. I just keep hitting my head on roll bars and started (laughs) writing down temperatures. And we ran six laps and I'm writing down exhaust temperatures for him. But at the same time, it's like, this is where a fool and an idiot collided at one time. Yep. You know, I'm the fool he was the idiot to ride me with. And you're like, man, I'm
4: lucky to still be alive with the dumb things I've done over the years. Yeah. You know.
3: I, I yeah, have obviously. empathy for you. Hey, real, real quick, real quick before we run, we had Thomas Drake it, it got a couple of Francis can I answer these questions. Get him answer the questions. Absolutely, real quick, please, absolutely. Go ahead. Okay. Yep. Thomas Drake wants to know: Do you sell adapters or harnesses, or do we have to wire it all by hand? So, and then James wants to know: Can you connect suspension centers, uh, sensors, and other non-sensors to your data logger? Uh, this thing is amazing. And last but not least, at least, but. Uh, Do we have a linear position sensor uh, supported? Can you guys kind of grasp all that real quick? Uh,
5: As far as the harnesses and adapters, um, we do make things for certain makes and models. Um, Obviously these are for race applications, but what we do is we allow like a we have terminated harnesses. Um, Everybody has an LS uh, engine that's in their vehicles now. So we have an LS terminated harness. We have RB, 2JZ. We sell terminated harnesses that make the install function a lot easier. Um, As far as the chassis side, with the Nexus, you would have to wire it because you have so many options from scratch. You can't really make a plug and play for that. Not to say that won't come down the road, make a chassis harness, but as of right
4: now, that's the way it's set up. And then as for the, the suspension sensors, we do offer linear position sensors that you can use for shock travel and stuff like that. Um, and there is a pre-built function in the software that allows you to set up a shock travel sensor on all four corners of the car. And then you can data log that and review it to help make changes to the suspension based on the real live data that you're seeing from the car. So, yes, you can 100 percent do that.
3: All right. Last but not least, and I want to leave Eden Young out, the possibility of a steering wheel can pad to place some functions directly into the wheel rather than a can pad placed elsewhere.
4: So, funny enough, I've actually had a dealer do this. They took one of our can keypads and they mounted it to the center of a steering wheel um, mm-hmm. where they could hit those buttons on the steering wheel itself. Um, but I believe this guy is not necessarily a can pad, but he wants the buttons on the steering wheel to be a can message to the ECU. Um, and yes, you can set that stuff up. It does take a little bit of ingenuity with um, like a can bridge or something like that. But yes, you can do, you know, steering wheel based can buttons or just mount a can keypad directly to the steering wheel. Both of those are options, so.
3: Well guys, I told you, you you show, you show that little computer deal. We got we got some interest going really quick. And Thomas, Nick, really great get a chance to talk to you guys today. Love what you're doing, continued success. And Francis, Judy, whoo, my head's spinning. <laughs>
1: Well, no, absolutely. Great, great webinar, guys. Thank you so much. Um, have I have us. a long story with Haltech. You know, I, I visited the, uh, the factory in, in Australia. It was one of my first trips uh, to Australia. Uh, I went to visit uh, them. And uh, so it's been fun to watch this company really grow and, and become such a big player in, in, in the world of uh, motorsport. So thank you so much for being with us today. This webinar has been recorded. It will be posted later on the Portrait platform and distributed through our different channels, newsletters, social media, et cetera. Uh, We will be back next week. We're going to be talking EV racing next week, which is a a little bit of a hot topic right now. And uh, so Jeff, we'll see you in uh, two weeks or probably three because uh, uh, Brad is going to do back-to-back. So thank you very much for uh, being with us today. Let's go racing and we'll see you back uh, next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.
6: Registering on ePAR trade is easy. To start, click on the Join for free button on the homepage. First, search your company to see if it's already in our database. If you see your company on the list, click on it to select it. Then choose Claim Company if you are one of the decision makers, an owner, marketing person, or main company contact. Or choose Join Company if you are an employee, and press Continue. If you couldn't find your company in our database, select Register a new company. On the following page, fill out your name, email, phone number, job title, and choose a secure password. If you chose Register a new company, you'll need to choose your business type. Select Supplier if you're looking to display products or services and connect with buyers. Choose Racing Business if you're looking to source new parts and connect with suppliers. Choose Race Team if you own or are a member of a professional race team. Then enter your company name. Please provide a website, Facebook page or LinkedIn if you have one. And choose to either claim or join the company. You can view and agree to our terms of use here. If you'd like to receive our weekly newsletter, choose Accept. Finally, click Register Now and your registration will be submitted for approval. An email will be sent to your inbox. Please confirm your email address and you will be approved shortly. Welcome to ePARTrade.